Welcome to episode 149 of Sweat Out, Happiness In. We're Lauren and Jason Pack, and we believe that fitness should be for anybody, everybody, and every body. Let's get into the show. What's up, Achievers? Hey, everybody. So, Happy late Halloween. Late Halloween. Yeah, I was going to say we had a great Halloween. It was so cute. It was so cute. <laughs> I mean, having a two-year-old on Halloween is like the best. <laughs> yeah, especially because they don't necessarily have like an opinion on what they want to be, right? And so, um, yeah, I don't know if, if if you haven't seen it, definitely go check out Lauren's Instagram page, at um, laurenpack22. Uh, but we dressed up um, Kendrick, our son, as the character Russell from Up, oh, and it was so super adorable. <laughs> Lauren was stressing out all week because we didn't have too much time last week to really put together anything, and she was kind of stressing out, and then finally on Friday, um, we kind of formulated a plan for her to basically go on Friday, just go to a bunch of different stores. Like We didn't have time to order from Amazon or any other local store even, so it was like run to as many different stores as possible and then stay up until midnight to formulate this costume <laughs> and uh you know i think lauren performs well under pressure and she knocked it out of the park with this one. Oh, thank you it was uh i definitely people kept asking like what what's kendra gonna be for halloween and we had had this idea i feel like months ago yeah <laughs> like, yeah because somebody had said kendrick looks like that character russell from up and i was like <laughs> that is so true and it's so funny so originally i had pulled out this pinterest board of like I was going to be Kevin, who's the bird. Yeah. <laughs> and then you were going to be the, the, old, old, man. Da- the yeah. old man. And it was going to be this whole family costume. So then by the time it was like Monday of last week and I hadn't even thought about putting together costumes yet, I was just feeling overwhelmed because I was like, there's no way I can make this a whole family like I can't make all of our costumes. Yeah, that just wasn't realistic. Yeah. So I was like almost gonna give up and just get some like, you know, target costume or something that and then I was like, no, this is being crafty is something that I've always prided myself in. Like, I really love taking on projects, and I needed to take the time to step away from work for a minute and really make this happen. And so, I i mean, I barely took the time. <laughs> I did it the day before, but I, I love doing that kind of stuff, and I think sometimes I get too wrapped up in um, work sometimes to take the time to, to do that. But Jason really pushed me to go to Michael's and start collecting items and and it all came together. Yeah, it came together perfectly. And yeah, we, I mean, we turned on the movie up um, that (laughs) morning, kind of like subliminally to tell them like, this is going to be like great and awesome. And then Lauren kind of snuck in like, are you, are you enjoying the movie? And Kendrick was like, yeah. And then Lauren was like, do you want to dress like Russell? And he was like, yeah. yeah. And it's a 50-50 shot. Like, it could be like, no, definitely not. Like, kicking and screaming. And I think uh, the universe lined up and um, everyone was happy from yeah. all, all sides. So he it was, was great. He was so pumped. He was like, and then the next day even, he was like, like, he normally has short socks. Like, we get him like no-show socks or whatever yeah. for his sneakers. And the next morning, he was like, Russell socks, Russell socks, which are like the high socks. And he just like was really wanting to be Russell still. And it, was it was so definitely cute. a look. It was a look, yeah. Uh, but anyway, I hope that you all had a nice Halloween. Hopefully, everybody stayed safe. Hopefully, you got to see some cute costumes from a distance. Um, but yeah, we had we had a blast. It was great. Yeah. All right, cool. So, um, yeah, we put out a little poll on our Instagram stories just to see um, what topics you all were interested in. And uh, we chose this one, which Lauren will read. I will read read it. This one came from Shukiela. Three eyes. (laughs) There's a lot of eyes in that one. Shukiela. A lot of vowels. Um, Understanding RPE and how proper management of intensity can lead to consistent progressive overload. What a question. What a question. 
Nice, simple topic. <laughs> so RPE to, um, if for those of you who don't know, is rate of perceived exertion. Yeah, and it's one of the ways that we like to tell our members at our gym, as well as our uh, members on our online program, Rise, how to go about determining the amount of weight or the number of reps that they're going to do on any given exercise. Right. Um, and so we use RPE as a scale of 1 to 10, and we'll give, give out a recommendation like, hey, for this exercise, let's use a 6 or a 7 out of 10 RPE for this exercise. Or we might say use an 8 or a 9 out of 10 RPE for this particular exercise. Um, but basically, it just gives the person an idea of where to start off. And if you don't have any idea of where to start off, uh, kind of like very general rule of thumb might be to just, um, how do I explain this? Subtract the number of reps. Wait, is that what you're going yeah, for? Yeah, that's what I'm going for. Yeah. yeah, that was really helpful to me when you explained it. I never really heard it explained that way, yeah. but it's basically like a 10 would be that you have zero reps left in the tank. Mm -hmm. So then as you go down from 10 to 1, you kind of just add how many reps you have left in the tank. So if you're at a 9, you maybe had one rep left. In mm -hmm. like, and it would have been like a hard earned rep, right? And yes, then if you exactly. had eight, if you're on an eight RPE, maybe you could have had two reps left, but you stopped your set two reps short of what would be like your max ability that day. Exactly. And a seven, you have three reps left in a tank. A six, you have four reps left in a tank. Uh, thanks for explaining that because I would have, I was just about to take the next 10 minutes trying to explain <laughs> that system. <laughs> I need to, I need to, I need to jump in where I'm needed. <laughs> but on average, I would say that most of the times we tell people to start off at around a 6 to 7 out of 10 RPE. And that's kind of like what we view as the sweet spot for starting a new exercise, for learning a new exercise, and starting a new program just overall. And I think the mistake that a lot of people make is just starting at a 10 out of 10 RPE for any exercise, kind of like no matter where they're at on a mm -hmm. given program, right? And that's definitely just a recipe for not greatness <laughs> <laughs> and a recipe for not seeing uh results and this person's question was perfect they said how does it lead to progressive overload down the road yeah um and progressive overload means like each time you lift or the next time you do the same workout how do you make it a little bit harder add a little bit more weight or add another rep and if you're constantly at that 10 out of 10 rpe there's no room for that progressive overload you're most likely not leaving yourself any room to grow or to get any stronger yeah exactly and so basically in order for your body to make gains or make progress you need to continuously add some more stimulus to it in order to make those adaptations and let's say you're constantly doing the same workout day in and day out like eventually your body will just um, plateau because it's used to those same stimuluses or stimuli I guess <laughs> um, so week to week we like to add a little bit of additional stimulus like adding let's say more reps or adding a little bit more weight or slowing down a tempo or increasing range of motion there's any number of ways you can increase the stimulus on your workouts um, but progressive overload is basically saying that you need to increase some sort of variable in order for your body to be like, okay, I need to adapt to this new stimulus and make sure that I continue to make gains. Yeah. Right? And I used to really question this a lot. It really, I mean, I was somebody who was a classic, like 10 out of 10 RP in every workout. Mm. Um, and I was like, well, if I'm not lifting as much weight as possible, how am I going to get stronger? Like, that was always how I felt. I was like, yeah. that's the only way to get stronger would be to lift as much as possible every single workout. And I never understood the idea of of lifting sub 
maximal weights. Right, yeah. Right? And so we, I mean, through a lot of mentors and a lot of courses and workshops, we kind of like, and Jason, you probably knew this before I did, but <laughs> just like started to understand the idea of the, I mean, the classic like uh, one step back, two steps forward yeah. or whatever, you know, like that you need Trusting to. Trusting the process. Yeah, yeah, that you really do need to to take a step back to allow for growth. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do that, you're constantly hitting, like bumping your head up against the ceiling. Basically. Yeah, exactly. And the ceiling was just what I was about to talk about. If you start your workouts at a 10 out of 10 RPE, there's basically no room for you to grow, right? And so the reason why we recommend a six to seven out of 10 RPE is to have a lot of room left for you to keep trying to make progressive overload happen. And so let's say you are doing squats and you can squat 100 pounds, that is your absolute max for 10 reps, um, but we want you to start the program off at 60 pounds for eight reps. You know, there's just a lot of room there for you to grow from week to week to add five to 10 pounds or to add a repetition because that's well within your kind of sweet spot and I don't wanna say comfort zone, but your challenged but still comfortable zone, right? <laughs> and that just makes your form really high. If we had you start at a 10 out of 10, most likely your form would kind of falter, it would deteriorate over time because you're just at your absolute ceiling. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing is that you can, by lowering the weights and going at a lower RPE, you can get such better quality repetitions in. And those quality repetitions are what are going to eventually lead mm. to progress and feeling stronger in other ways than just the amount of weight you're lifting, but also in just your confidence in your form, your movement competency, like all of those things start to improve because you took a little bit of weight off and took the time to actually feel really good with every single repetition. Mm, yeah. And I was actually just about to get into that. It's like <laughs> I we... haven't even seen Jason's notes, but <laughs> I'm just, you know, it, we're on the same page. Yeah. It's like we, it's like we've been working together for the last 13, 13 years. years or so. <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, you start off at a six out of 10, seven out of 10 RPE, and you slowly increase whatever variable, whether it's sets or repetitions or weight or what have you. And basically that gives you more time to actually develop more muscle mass, right? Because it takes time. Like your muscle actually grows when you're recovering from the workout you just went through. But if you're constantly putting it under 10 out of 10 strain, it never has a chance to recover. Hmm. But by having those opportunities of submaximal weights and submaximal workouts, you're actually allowing your time, your body time to um, restore and get stronger because of that recovery process. So you're giving your body some time to develop muscle mass. Um, you're giving your body time to develop tendon and ligament strength. Right, because that's often a place that can really hold us back. So whether it's your the tendons in your knees or your elbows or your wrists or all these sorts of areas that lifters often really get kind of aggravated tissues because they haven't really given their bodies time to really recover and get stronger and more resilient in those areas. And then finally, like what you mentioned, is actually developing better technique and better proficiency with the lifts, with submaximal weights, with weights that you know that you have. Um, confidence in yeah. right and so you develop better technique and overall all three of those things muscle tendon strength and better proficiency at the lift in equates to better strength right and this is why taking a step back allows you to take multiple steps forward with your strength levels and just with the overall effectiveness of your workout yeah right so yeah. that's the case for 
I guess a lot of things. I guess starting <laughs> at a lower RPE, and that's also a case for why you want to do progressive overload, kind of all wrapped up into one kind of overall philosophy that you want to consider when you're following a strength training program. Yeah. And so when I used to train for powerlifting meets, for example, I used to always go based off of my percentage of my max as opposed to yeah. RPE. Do you want to address like the benefits of pros and cons of both? Yeah, I can't believe that you didn't even look at my notes. Are you serious? This is it's perfect. in there? Yeah. What? Oh, I feel so happy. So, uh, I mean, not directly, but basically okay. the advantage of using RPE over using a percentage-based um, like prescription for your weight is that on a day-to-day, on a day-to-day basis, your, your body's capabilities change, right? Mm-hmm. It's very fluid. It's, it's very organic. So some days you might feel awesome and feel really strong, but other days, for whatever reason, you might be feeling a little bit less than strong. And during those days when Lauren and I would really go through intense powerlifting workouts, we would see a number on a sheet and we'd say, okay, I feel ready for that. But then some days we wouldn't feel ready for that. And then we'd push our bodies to the point where maybe we'd tweak something or hurt something because we were trying to hit a very specific number. Right. So for me, for me, it might have been 275 for five sets of five or something like that. And one day I didn't feel quite up to snuff, but I was like, no, the program says it, so I have to do it. And then, you know, that doesn't really lend itself well to just overall sustainability because you're, I, I was at my ceiling that day and I definitely surpassed my ceiling that day. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, that's exactly where I was going with this is that I think that percentages really are helpful in just kind of like understanding where you might want to like around where you might want to be that day. Like if yeah. you're trying to aim for around 80% or around 70%, like that's kind of similar to RPE, but RPE takes the, the ego out of it a little bit or mm. forces you to take the ego out, or at least you should take just, your ego it's just, out. Yeah. It just helps <laughs> but, you to reevaluate. But it's hard to do. Like it's very hard to do. So for me, like, especially if I'm on the same program, say I'm on a four week program. Yep. And last week it said to do a seven to eight RPE and I did 135 for squats. And I was like, that definitely felt like a seven to eight. I feel great. Yeah. And the next week I'm warming up and I get to 115 and I'm like, holy crap, this feels already heavy. Yeah. In my mind, I still feel like I have to get to at least 135 yeah. in order to feel like it was a successful workout. But I I'm supposed to do what feels like a seven out of eight. So that can be very challenging as a lifter and as somebody who is competitive with themselves. Yes. Um, But I think it's a really good lesson in just like life and patience and, you know, and taking your, removing your ego out of, out of your lift and actually just listening to your body. Yeah. And RP, it just gives you a little bit of kind of grace and validation to allow yourself to do that for yourself. Right. It just allows for all the day-to-day changes and how your body is reacting and feeling and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I think um, that leads us well into kind of where I wanted to go next, which is progressive overload is a great concept in theory, but if you attach all of your training training's worth to the idea of progressive overload, that can be a little bit tricky mm. as well because not you, especially as you get more and more advanced, you're not going to be able to increase quite as easily from week to week, right? right? Whether it's a rep or whether it's five pounds or whatever, what have you. Um, And this is where RPE again comes into handy, uh, comes well into play is because it just allows you to change based upon your body's um, state at that moment in time. Um, And for progressive overload, like all we really mean is to somehow push any one of the variables 
that we mentioned above over the course of your training. So that might be from workout to workout, that might be from week to week, that might be from month to month, that might be from year to year. Obviously year to year will be uh, taking a much longer scheme approach, but um, basically as long as you're striving to progressively overload some of these variables over time, your training is great, it's yeah. going great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's, and I think that there's this idea that when we talk about progressive overload, that that means everything in your workout needs to increase from mm. week to week. And for, for sure, like for me at least, it's really only ever my main lift. And then yeah. everything else stays pretty much the same. I may, like maybe for two weeks, if I'm doing a dumbbell row, maybe for two weeks I'm doing it with a 35, and then the thir week three and four I go up to a 40 yeah. or something like that. But for a lot of the accessory movements, I tend to stick with the same weights, do what feels really good, knowing that I've, I've pushed on that main lift on my squat or my deadlift or my bench press and I can kind of be okay with being more consistent or like not not feeling like I have to push the weight every single week on some of those other movements yeah definitely and that's a really good point as well um, when you are less experienced and or when you are a beginner you can increase literally every lift yeah. across the board because your body is just really just soaking up all the stimulus that are going on and are just adapt adapting really uh, readily and easily but as you get more and more into sort of the intermediate and advanced categories, those gains really start to um, become much tougher to come by and you start to have to picking your spots, Yeah. right? And so you might go through, you, Lauren, might go through periods of time where you want to focus on your pull-up or you want to focus on your squat or you focus on your bench press and you have to be mentally okay to give up some of the progress on the other lifts right. in order to push forward on this particular lift that you're striving for. Um, and that can also be really difficult as well because you've been increasing all of your lifts across the board at a very steady pace and suddenly you have to pick one. And mm -hmm. it also means that all the other lifts start to kind of deteriorate a little bit as well. I shouldn't say deteriorate, maybe decline slightly as well. And it's it's a tough pill to swallow because you're like, I worked hard for those gains. Yeah, right? and I th we had, we we're seeing this a lot with uh, small group training at Achieve. We have people yeah. who have had been quarantined or out of the gym for five, six, seven months, I think, by the time we actually finally were able to reopen. And pull-ups were the biggest thing that mm, when people time. came back and started to do pull-ups, they were like, oh my God, like I'm not even close. Like I'm using double the amount of bands that I was using or people yeah. who had finally gotten that body weight pull-up. They worked so hard to get there and now are back to the bands. Like it's, it feels so sad at first. You're like, this sucks. Like I worked so hard for this, but the, the reality is they had to work with what they had. They continued to work out at home. They continued to move. They continued to work with dumbbells and kettlebells and like they did all this stuff at home that was still it wasn't for not like it was still yeah. really great that they were able to do that and yes their pull-ups did have to be sacrificed in that moment and now they have a chance to work up to it again but yeah it definitely can be it can be really disappointing to feel like you worked so hard to get somewhere and then it's gone yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and i think you know for those moments especially in person we as coaches are able to have that conversation and be like, listen, we were there and this is all very normal. Trust the process and yeah. you'll be back as soon as you're consistent. Um, I want to give a shout out to um, one of our RISE members, Clarissa, who has been doing this a lot for our other members of the yeah. RISE program where um, Clarissa has been an, uh, an experienced lifter. And, and um, a coach. And a coach, yeah, as well. And she's definitely been um, in the gym and very experienced in that regard. And she's been... Uh, very instrumental in helping our newer lifters who have 
maybe experienced some setbacks or have um, had difficulty with some of their lifts declining while others are improving. And basically, she just has been instrumental in helping to reframe mindset from a fellow lifter and coach um, rather than just kind of us. Right? Yeah, so yeah. It's been definitely. really helpful. It's so. like the difference between hearing from your parents and your peers. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's been super helpful as well, because all of this, it, we as coaches find ourselves talking about this over and over again. Um, but it just resonates differently when someone else who you can directly relate to has undergone the same experiences, yeah, right? So definitely. that's been super helpful as well. So shout out to Clarissa there. Thanks, Clarissa. <laughs> um, I think that's about it. Yeah, I mean, I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah. That was those were. I mean, I promise I didn't cheat and look off of your list, but I just <laughs> just handed you over yeah, all those just, lead lead in questions. Perfect. Um, but I think we pretty much covered RPE. Yeah, I think that that is. The way that, I mean, it's certainly the way that we've been training ourselves. It's certainly the way that we've been training uh, folks at, at Achieve and on Rise. And it's been going very well and people have been seeing great results. And I think it just eliminates that feeling of having to, it's almost eliminates some of the anxiety of feeling like, oh, I have to do this today. I have to lift this much today. And yeah. you can go into the day and say, okay, I feel, I slept awesome. I ate a great breakfast. I feel great. I'm going to go for, you know, I'm going to try to increase my squat by a few pounds from last week. Or I had horrible night's sleep. I didn't get a chance to eat. I only had coffee and I'm just going to get through this workout and I'm still going to do what feels like a seven to eight today, yes, not yeah. compared to last week. So it's really helpful. It's really helpful, especially when you're just in different phases of life and experiencing um, different hardships and different struggles. It, it takes some of that pressure off. Yeah, totally. Cool. cool. We used to <laughs> we used to wrap it up with a feel good story. I feel like we need to bring that back. Yeah, we need a yeah. I think now that we're back in the groove of actually doing podcasts, I think that's a that's probably the next step. Are stories that will make your heart sing. That's segments. what it was. Stories we'll that will make your heart sing. Back up again. Um, also, this past week we launched our uh, most recent um, workshop or intensive. We call it. Uh, it's it's a, basically a follow along video workshop where we go over the kettlebell swing and the Turkish getup. Yeah. Um, it's called Power and Flow. Um, we just launched it this past weekend. Um, we had some special early bird pricing um, uh, over the course of the first launch this weekend, basically. Um, that is run out, but we wanted to give you all, our podcast listeners, a special code if you wanted to take us up on it as well. Uh, you can use the code PODCAST10 for $10 off the Power and Flow workshop. But basically, what we do is go through all the progressions of the Turkish getup, the kettlebell swing, whether it's how to hinge, uh, whether it's how to hold the kettlebell in the in the rack position, how to grip the kettlebell so it doesn't hurt the back of your wrist, just all these little nuances and details that we often talk about in our Instagram posts or our podcast or our YouTube videos. Um, we just go into more of a step-by-step -step basis and more of like a follow-along format, right? So we want you to have a bell nearby just so you can practice all these drills as we walk you through it in real time. So it's almost like having us be your personal trainers in your living room or wherever you're at um, and go through all the drills with us in real time. And we talk about all the common, um, you know, uh, mistakes and compensations that we see and that we have seen over the years as personal trainers. And we just go through how to break them down and really um, optimize your lifts. So if you use 
kettlebells at all in your strength training, um, we definitely think it's a worthwhile um, investment of both your money and time to go and take the course and really maximize the effectiveness of your kettlebell lifts so that you maximize the effectiveness of your workout. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I was when I was filming the I did the Turkish get up portion and Jason did the swing. And when I was filming the get up, I was like just channeling that I had people watching like in front of me. Yeah. I was like, how would I, I was just like, okay, this is exactly how I would go through it. If I had a group of people in front of me and I was teaching them to get up, um, either for the first time or as a reminder, as a refresher, it just kind of like really helped me to visualize having people there. So hopefully you get that when you're watching it is that you feel like I'm talking to you because I was, I was trying to make sure. And so was Jason, like trying to just make sure that it felt as, um, as like natural and in person as we could possibly get from from behind a screen. So. Yeah, literally while I was teaching the the swing segment, I would give let's say a three two one countdown, and I would count out the reps and really <laughs> just envision a group in front of me, and then I would just envision the common compensations that we often <laughs> see when people do the swings, and then go into that little uh, tangent from there. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, just goes to show how much we've actually done it uh, because it was it was pretty easy to kind of recall. Yeah, it really was. So it was yeah. a lot of fun to make. It was make. a lot of fun to make, and we've had some great feedback on, on it already. So mm-hmm. we really, really recommend checking it out um, using the code po- uh, PODCAST10 for $10 off, and we will link it in the show notes. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. We are also on all major podcast platforms, but if you could subscribe and leave us a review, that would be awesome. And until next time, sweat out, happiness in.